Lord, I come before you this morning and I pray right now that you would come and inhabit our hearts and our minds. That, Lord, that you would speak to us. May we be set free today. May the truth set us free. May we be ready to receive. Lord, I pray for everyone who's come here this morning with worries and concerns upon their heart, that, Lord, those things would fly away in the presence of your Holy Spirit, that right here, right now, the peace that passes all understanding would guide and guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Truth. We're here today to talk about the truth and the truth that will set you free. I'm going to start off in John 18, and then I'm going to go to John 8. And in John 18, 37 to 38a, just before this, Jesus is being cross-examined by Pilate. And during this conversation, Jesus tells Pilate that his kingdom is not of this world. So, straight into John 18. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And that's what we're going to talk about here today. What is truth? Let's examine that. Just exactly what is truth. We've been told in the Bible that the truth will set us free. So let's have a closer look at where that happens and why. So the context of our next verse in John 8, 30 to 59. Every time they do that, I want to sort of like everybody yell back. but I'm I'm scared that we wouldn't do it well enough. (laughs) Yeah, never have a screaming competition with kids. You'll lose. The context here is just before this, the Pharisees had brought the woman caught in adultery to him. They were testing him, trying to catch him out. But his answers led many to believe him. So in John 8, 30 to 59, it starts off like this. As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So step one, continue in the word. Step one, the consequence of step one continuing in the word is then you will be disciples and know the truth and the truth will set you free. So let's keep that one in mind as we go through the astonishing things that happen next. They answered him. Now when it says they, the they that it's talking about is the they that came to believe him. This really blows me away because you'll see when you see what happens next. They answered him, 
we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. So they didn't get it. How is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly. And whenever he says that, it means listen to this. Truly, truly. Actually, we should listen to everything that Jesus says. So he must have been really, really sort of thinking, you guys need to get this right now. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. Praise God, that's what he got for us. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, <laughs> wait for it, yet you seek to kill me. I'd love to be in that room when that happened. All right. Well, we want to hear your words. Jesus turns around and says, well, you're, you're seeking to kill me. I'm wondering what everybody was looking like at that point. <laughs> yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. And this whole point here, I mean, I'm, I'm supposing here a little bit, but I can just about feel Jesus going, okay, we're just going to go down this little road a little bit, and I'm going to show you every single thing you need to unlearn. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you're Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, so here it comes again, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do, just as well. You are doing the deeds of your father. Now, if you think it's tense, it's about to get worse. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. So they've swapped from Abraham now to God because they realize, you know, they messed up a little bit there. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? Here it comes. It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil. <laughs> Mic drop. <coughs> Man, I really hope that when we get to heaven, they're going to be like videos of these things. I really want to see what's going on in people's faces. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There's a whole sermon right there. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the word, words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Ouch, ouch, ouch. So the Jews answered and said to him, this is where it starts to get personal. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say you are a Samaritan and have a demon? 
Okay, we've turned a corner here. You're not telling us things we want to hear, so we're just going to be rude to you now. And also, this pretty much proves what he said earlier on. You're planning to kill me. Because you think I'm a hated Samaritan and that I'm demon-possessed. And do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered. He didn't say anything about the Samaritan. I love that. You know, there's a sermon right there. <laughs> How long have you got today? Um, <laughs> Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But though I do not seek my glory, there is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, there it is again. Listen to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, continues in the word, he will never see death. Yeah, great. The Jew said to him, now we know you have a demon. <laughs> Ouch. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you're not greater than our father Abraham, who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? We just about hear Jesus saying, well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now that's an important moment. Because Jesus is now telling them things which is not contained in the five books of the Bible they had at the time. He's claiming to have knowledge that wasn't written down. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. I'm over 50 now so I can tell you things. <laughs> Stop it. You are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, here it is again, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. I am, I'm absolutely certain that the I am he used there was the Hebrew, Anihiah, which was the same thing that God told Moses was his name. And I know that because of what happened next. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. To them, he had just committed blasphemy. He'd said he was God. And they weren't getting it. I really, really want to know, though, how he hid himself. Did he, like, just suddenly whip on a ninja suit or what? Did he sort of, like... You know, when he turned up in the upper room and the door was locked, did he like sort of like walk into another dimension and then just sort of walk out of the temple and blink back out again? I really want to know. <laughs> but if we had all these details in the Bible, it would be so long that nobody would read it. So here we go. It went from many believed him to the Jews questioning him and then accusing him of being Samaritan and demonically possessed to, they picked up stones to throw at him. 
all in one nice, neat little package. Now, if you're a paid speaker or anything like that, that's not the kind of thing you want. You don't want to, by the end, have everybody turn around wanting to stone you to death. But the thing is, here, Jesus was speaking the truth. The truth. The absolute truth. So the question I have in my mind is, the they that picked up stones, are they the same they that initially believed in him? Or was it a subgroup of that group? I don't know. But it doesn't actually change the they all the way through. So I'm, I'm a bit nervous about that. Could they not handle the whole truth? Because I know sometimes I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I'm guilty of trying to actually bring God down to something that I can understand rather than trying to expand my meager capacity to be able to take God in as he really is. So what is the truth? Step one, when we go back to the original verse we were looking at, continue in the word. Continue in Jesus' words. God's word is truth. We need to learn to defend the Bible because that's what the people out there are doing right now. If you want to discredit God, you discredit the Bible. Discredit the Bible and you can say whatever you like about God. But if the Bible is truly God's anointed and appointed word, no one's got any excuse. So step one, continue in the word. The consequence is then. I love that word, then. Because it means you've got to do one before you get two. Then you will be disciples and know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Dominoes. Continue in the word. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you will be disciples. So do what it says, and you will find freedom. Don't do what it says, and you're going to find yourself tied up by this world and either super down or super angry. Been there, done that. So let's look at handling the truth of God as God really is, because they couldn't handle the truth that Jesus was God. Let's look at handling the truth about ourselves. They couldn't handle the truth that they were sinners in need of a saviour. And we're not going to have time to cover this one today because I'm nice and I'm going to let you go home sometime today. Um, handling the truth with others. Because if you go on to what John wrote later, in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, you're going to find out that people were actively opposing the truth. People who they had had amongst them encountered as believers were causing problems within the church because they did not want to acknowledge the full and absolute truth. Jesus said in John 18.37, For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now these words were spoken right near the end of his life. And I'm sure he's making every word count. And I suggest that we focus on two implications from this verse. Implication one is, there is truth. Truth that everyone should believe regardless. Implication two, 
Jesus came to testify to that truth. He's the key witness. And my encouragement and exhortation to you today and to myself, don't be like Pilate when you hear the truth and say, what's truth? And don't be like the Jews in John 8. So please, by the end of this, do not pick up stones to throw at me. All right? Throw chocolate at me if you like. No, don't do that. I'm trying to lose weight. Implication one, there is truth. Truth that everyone should believe. There is truth. Truth that comes from outside of this world and gives meaning to this world. That's important. The world doesn't make this truth. It doesn't shape or change this truth. It is the truth. Big letters. Not a truth for me and a different truth for you, but the truth for all of us, unchanging, absolute. Now, there may have been a generation or a century when this simple implication of this text didn't need to be said, that there is truth, truth out of our own mind, truth that I don't create but discover, truth that I don't control but must submit to, there may have been a time when we didn't have to proclaim this as part of the Christian message. But today is not that day. Brownie points if you know what movie that comes from. Today, this simple truth is a stunning and controversial revelation to the world. It meets with widespread disbelief. If you try to claim today that there is absolute truth, truth that everyone should believe and follow, you're very likely going to be considered misguided and immoral. People will say you're misguided because there's no God to give absoluteness to truth. Or if there is a God, there's no way of knowing him or what he thinks. One person's idea of what he is like is as good as any other's. But not only would you be considered misguided, you would also be considered horribly, by many to be immoral if you insist on absolute truth. Why? Because the claim that there is an absolute truth leads to intolerance and prejudice against what others think. The horror. Morality today has been virtually defined in terms of relativism. If you don't believe that the truth you see is binding on me, you are humble and good and moral. But if you believe that the truth you see is binding on me, you're arrogant and intolerant and immoral. Virtue or morality today demands relativism, opinion. It's a world in which his message has been nullified even before it's spoken. Because truth is seen as the rotten root of bigotry and intolerance and prejudice. But relativism, on the other hand, is seen as the wholesome mother of cultural respect and tolerance and peace. I'm going to read that again. It's a world in which his message has been nullified even before it is spoken. Because truth is seen as the rotten root of bigotry and intolerance and prejudice. But relativism, on the other hand, is seen as the wholesome mother of cultural respect and tolerance and peace. 
you want to be totally freaked out? Yeah, good on you. That last paragraph that I read out twice is a direct quote from a sermon written by John Piper and delivered on Christmas Day, 1988. So this has been coming for a long time. Truth has been taken out of reality. By and large, people don't think about absolute truth anymore. They're not looking for the truth that can give meaning and purpose to all of life and history. <coughs> Instead, people are trying to experience life to the full and call this experience truth for them. Not absolute truth, just truth for them. And the general guideline in this culture is simply, keep the monkey of your truth off my back. If it works for you, fine, but don't lay it on me. Believe it or not, you are allowed to be a Christian in China. I was allowed to be a Christian in China by law. I just was not allowed to let it impact or affect anyone else. That's where the problem goes down. You can walk into China and say, I believe in Jesus in the comfort of your own home. You're not allowed to do it anywhere else. So that's society, and very largely, that's us. If we're not careful and if we don't keep close to the truth. Relativism contradicts itself. I love this. Okay, I'm just praying down the demon of sarcasm now. Try and say this nice and level. I'm, I'm going to end up being sarcastic. I can't help myself. Well, I can. That's not the truth. Um, <laughs> careful what you say. <laughs> if you say there is no absolute truth that everyone should believe, if you say that, you contradict yourself because you're making a statement that you want people to believe. But the statement you make is that there are no statements everyone should believe. You're saying there is no absolute truth, and that's the absolute truth of the matter. But then it goes one step further from there, and it says people are saying, we will not tolerate intolerance. And you see what this means? Tolerance is the moral equivalent of relativism. If truth is relative and not absolute, there should be total tolerance for everything. But to make this moral truth stick, you have to put an absolute punch behind it. We will not tolerate intolerance. It's the moral equivalent of we absolutely reject absolutes. Sarcasm. Stop it. <laughs> it is self-contradictory. It's a testimony to the fact that we can't live without absolute truth. We the people say to all you other people who don't believe what we believe that we stand for tolerance apart from when you don't believe what we believe and that we won't tolerate. Um, if I find someone hurt in the playground at school, I find that that hurt person has absolutely no trouble believing there is an absolute truth. They look at me and they say, it's their fault, and now vindicate me by destroying them. 
If I then turn to the other party and ask what happened, I often find the sentence starts like this. They started it. Now vindicate me by destroying them. (laughs) Now if I was to say, let's get into character here. (laughs) If I was to say, you are both not guilty because truth is relative and for both of you, it was a good thing to annoy and hurt each other. You can't put the monkey of your absolutes onto each other's backs. That would go down really well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I have a fair idea that I'd be into trouble with everybody if I said something like that. No one has any trouble believing in absolutes when they feel they have been wronged. Well, here's the thing. God has been absolutely wronged. And Jesus came to absolutely fix it. There is truth. Truth that comes from God outside the world and gives the world its meaning. Truth that is absolute and unchanging. Truth that everyone should seek for and submit to and believe. And that truth is a truth about who and what God is. That truth is a truth about who and what we are. That truth is the truth about how we should live our lives. That truth is the truth about the world and our purpose in it. The truth is the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. And that truth is the truth that you and I need to accept today. We need to accept the truth that we need a saviour. We need to accept the truth that if we've already accepted Jesus, that we need to accept the further truth and live our lives the way he did as his disciples. Accept the truth that if we do that, then the truth sets us free. Free from pride, lust, gluttony, laziness, envy, anger, greed. And finally, free to love. And be loved just as Jesus taught us. So let's not be like pirate and say, what is truth? And let's not be like the believers who wanted to be right rather than wanting to be free. Let's believe the truth, read the truth in the Bible, and live the truth that is contained within the Bible and Jesus' witness of the truth within it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to get rocks thrown at me yet. Great. Implication two was that Jesus came to testify to the truth. He's the key witness. He's the key witness to all of this, the way, the truth, and the life. Now, the question for us is what became of the witness? Jesus is gone now. It's not enough to say that he has sent his spirit in his place, and that's a crucial thing there. The spirit has come. We believe he has. But Jesus said that he was born to bear witness. He said he came into the world to bear witness. So if we want to hear the witness that Jesus came to bring, we have to get back to those years when he was here. 
the years of his incarnation, when he walked and talked and worked and loved and died among people. We don't have a time machine, but we kind of do. If I had a time machine, I would totally stuff up the world. That's what we have to see in here. So I suppose you're saying this morning, I'm persuaded that I need to discover the truth and live my life by it. I see that relativism doesn't work. How can I get back to the testimony of Jesus? How can I be sure the Bible really gives the testimony of Jesus? How can I be sure the testimony of Jesus is true? Well, the answer I want to give to these questions this morning in the time we have left is this. Go get a copy of the four Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament, you go sit down in a quiet place, alone, and you begin to listen to that testimony. Of these four witnesses and through them, listen to the testimony of Jesus as it comes through. You ask God, are you alive and real? Help me see the truth. You watch what Jesus does in this first-hand account. You listen to what he says. You think about the attitudes that he shows. And you make a judgment whether these writers and this man have integrity and credibility or whether they're frauds or idiots. I believe that God has made us dependent on the Bible for the testimony of Jesus today. Because the Bible has the power to convince people that Jesus' testimony is true. J.B. Phillips was translating the New Testament from Greek to modern English about 75 years ago. And he said this afterwards. I love this. I felt rather like an electrician rewiring an ancient house without being able to turn the mains off. What a picture of power that is. Rewiring the house and the mains is still on. Yoik! When he finished with the Gospels, he said this, There is an almost childlike candor and simplicity, and the total effect is tremendous. No man could ever have set down such artless and vulnerable accounts as these unless some real event lay behind them. What I'm saying is the way that you judge a witness is by listening long and hard to him to see if you sense that he's conning you or if he has the ring of truth. And that's what you've got to do with the Gospels. Read them again and again. Then you will be disciples. Then you will be set free. Dr. E.V. Real was a scholar who translated both the ancient poet Homer and the four Gospels from Greek into modern English. And he was not a Christian at the time he started. But he said, I got the deepest feeling that I possibly could have expected. It changed me. My work changed me. And I came to the conclusion that these words bear the seal of the Son of Man and God. And they're the Magna Carta of the human spirit. Why don't we talk like that anymore? (laughs) In other words, if you will go to the Gospels as they stand in the Bible and listen carefully and openly with a willingness to do the truth if you see it, then the witness 
of the writers and the testimony of Jesus will prove to you their truth. So, Ian, you've taken all this time to tell us that absolute truth can be found in the Bible and we should read it and live it. Yep. <laughs> now you can throw stones at me. Why don't you just say that at the start? I like to build up to things and convince people along the way. The Jews wanted to believe Jesus in John 8, 30 to 59. But they got stuck when Jesus started to tell them that he was God and they should obey him. Pilate found no fault in Jesus, but stated that he felt truth was relative. I'm a believer, and I've caught myself doing both of these, when God has told me to do something I don't want to do. I've caught myself trying to make the Bible say what I want it to say. It says in the Bible, everything is permissible. Straight after it, it says, but not everything is beneficial. We've got to be careful we take the whole Bible and its truth in context. Especially today. You see, I've seen both of these things in my travels, and I've seen the end result. Disaster. I have seen those who commit themselves to the truth daily. I have seen those who commit their voices to speaking the truth daily. I have seen those who live their lives according to the truth daily. They were Communist Party members in China. I'll let that sink in. They completely believe their truth and justify all its outcomes. And that's scary. So we need to be the ones who commit ourselves to the absolute truth that comes from God through his witness, Jesus. Let's commit ourselves wholly through thought, action, and deed to the absolute truth found in Jesus. Then we will be disciples. Then we will be free. Free to handle the truth of God as God really is. With an absolute truth that we need to obey for our own sake and for the sake of this world that we live in. Then we can handle the truth about ourselves that we need a saviour and he loved us enough to come and die for us on the cross. And then we can handle the truth with others, speaking the truth in love with absolutely no compromise. There is so much more that could be said about truth. I could talk about rejecting the relative truth of the world, I could speak of how to speak the truth to others. I could lay down what needs to be done daily to live the truth. But then to a certain extent, I've told you I'm not going to do that. I've told you you must seek it for yourself. And I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit resides and presides to help us continue in Jesus' words.